This is Strange Assembly, episode 235, Restricted. I'm Chris Stevenson, and here with me today are Jay Earl. Hello. And Mike Cook. Hey. And you are listening to Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming and Legend of the Five Rings podcast. You can find us on the web at www.strangeassembly.com. We are at the usual social media, so facebook.com slash strangeassembly or at strangeassembly on Twitter. We are here today because there have been a whole mess of Legend of the Five Rings developments since last we recorded on this mm, occasional podcast. <laughs> so we have had the departure of who I'm going to call the head of the story team, even though Fantasy Flight doesn't have such a thing. Uh, we have more information on the release of the element cycle. There is a restricted list, of course, and... Just today, because we are recording on Tuesday, May 22nd, but just today they announced a beta playtest for a multiplayer variant of Legend of the Five Rings. And it seemed to me that all of these things together were important enough to interrupt my busy schedule of playing Marvel Puzzle Quest to do a recording. I'm kidding, of course. I'm actually still just playing Marvel Puzzle Quest while we're recording, so it's not interrupting anything. Uh, why don't you guys just go ahead and do the show? Uh, okay, let me finish this level, though. <laughs> come on, come on! I have to beat Venom before the two hours is up! I have to get those tokens! Okay. So, at this point, she has left. But Fantasy, uh, Katrina Ostrander was the the heart of the flavor section, the flavor and, and section setting of Legend of the Five Rings at Fantasy Flight Games. She was central to the creation of how they were approaching it and the, the Mono Noah Ware concept. So what are your guys' thoughts on her departure? I am sad to see her go. I've loved all of the fiction. And it's not like she directly wrote it, but uh, clearly she had a hand in all of it. But I wish her well on whatever she's doing in the textbook, uh, textbook field. So <laughs> hopefully it's a good move for her. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I've liked everything fiction-wise so far, and hopefully whoever they have replacing her will do just as good a job. It, yeah, I now we we speak from. I, I want to say somewhat of a position of ignorance, but probably a somewhat is understating it, right? Because we yeah, don't. Yeah, because I'm involved. Well, <laughs> I mean, we <laughs> we just we we don't really know how they operate things on the inside, and honestly, probably the people who would know are not allowed to say. I mean, maybe they can. You can go listen to Spooky's podcast. If there's anybody doing a podcast who would know, he would know. I don't know if he's allowed to say anything about it, but hey. But, you know, assuming she has something of a story teamish lead, I, I think it's, it's yeah, it's it's unfortunate. They, you know, they've done a good job so far with everything. It's, uh, we can't say for sure what's attributable to whom, right? There was a, a, a lot of, 
not maybe confusion isn't the right word, but a, a lot of uncertainty back in the AEG L5R days of that exactly who was calling the shots, you know, that thing that you read in a story that you thought was really stupid may or may not have been dictated by the story team or by the brand team. We don't know how much freedom there was. But yeah, like you said, everything that we've seen so far, they seem to have done a good job. I mean, we haven't done any rants about anything in the story, right? So that's got to be a positive sign. For once. <laughs> I mean, I mean yeah. we can if you really want. No, no, I'm sure that <laughs> that when like it will come naturally if we feel the need to, you know? Yep. As far as I can tell from the outside, right, she's done a very good job. She certainly seemed to really care about the setting and, you know, doing it justice. So I I think my one biggest hope right now is, you know, I mean, for the game, as opposed to, you know, wishing her her well, but beyond that, beyond the the wishing her well part, is that they um, stay the course. I I think we saw a lot over the years at AEG where there there were some stretches where there was basically a new brand manager every year. Uh, or every year and a half or something, and you'd have a new brand manager come in, and they'd want to do something different with the the direction of the story of the game than the people before them, and so things would get blown up, things would get dropped, things would completely change, and it it really wreaked havoc on the story team's ability to accomplish anything. So, I guess, like I said, my, my main thing is I hope that there is a, a stay the course, and that whoever is stepping into Katrina's shoes does not attempt to reinvent the wheel, right? They've they're doing fine. Stay the course, go the distance. Thousand points of light, you know? <laughs> uh that reference is so old now. Uh if you get that <laughs> reference, you also are old, my friends. Hey, I resemble that remark. <laughs> All right, so, yeah, unfortunately, I suspect that because she's in textbooks, we're not going to see much in the way of more work on our end of things from Katrina, but we do wish her well, and uh, we look forward to, I'm guessing, seeing her name somewhere in the credits for Spooky's novella, which is shipping, like, right now. Well, you should check your friendly local game store. She is, She said she was, on Twitter, she said she still was doing freelancing work, so we may actually see fiction from her oh, in the future. Oh, okay. I had not caught that. I had just caught the uh, the textbook, like that you I, mentioned, the textbook thing. Right, and, and uh, I mean, she has her own blog that she keeps, so she may just be, like, I don't know if she meant exactly L5R fiction or just her own stuff that she's doing, but uh, I don't think she's out of gaming entirely. You know, we, we rarely leave this life. <laughs> <laughs> so... Item number two is release dates for the Elemental Cycle. That's really the only thing we got new was release dates, but uh, it is different, especially since it actually is hitting before Gen Con. The last time we recorded, it seemed like it was not going to be coming. Like, it might be the sort of thing where you can get it for the first time at Gen Con. Yeah, I think that was definitely our speculation then, was this would be the environment during Gen Con, and we'd pick up a couple of them at Gen Con. So yeah, it's nice to know that there will be some new cards, new changes coming in 
to the environment before we hit Gen Con. Yeah. Now, of course, the restricted list means there's going to be a lot of changes anyway. But well, yes, also true. It, yeah, we're it, that. It, it's funny that that almost overshadows the this because we can start thinking about it now because it impacts now, whereas we don't know everything that's going to hit with the elemental cycle. So, the elemental cycle comes in on June twenty eighth, once a week because it's it's six in six. Also, FFG, please stop that. Seriously. I guess it's one thing if it's like there was some sort of hang-up, and so it was 6 and 6 is like, okay, well, they were supposed to start coming out a few months ago, but like we'll do them 6 and 6 instead of having them be even later. But if it's planned in advance, please stop. But J- June 28th will be the first one. And so the first four packs, Breath of the Kami, Tainted Lands, The Fires Within, and The Ebb and Flow. And so that is what the air pack... The Earth Pack, the Fire Pack, and the Water Pack, right? Presumably. That's my my deduction. Those will be legal. The 5th and 6th Packs, All and Nothing, I'm assuming the Void Pack, and then Elements Unbound, will have been released prior to Gen Con, but they will have been released so soon before Gen Con starts that they won't be legal at Gen Con. And... I, I felt like when I made this a topic, it was more of something to discuss, but I guess really just the news is, hey, look, did you notice this post that they had on their website? <laughs> <laughs> so, in conclusion, go buy Spooky's novella. And it's yes. always the right conclusion. Yes, the Sword of the Spirits, right? That's the... Do I even... I, I don't even care what the title is. It's going to be the yeah, only right. L5R novella at your local game store. I mean, it's Phoenix, so you knew Jay was going to buy it anyways. Yeah, no, I've I've already got a copy pre-ordered, and I may... If my pre-ordered copy doesn't show up quickly enough, and I see it at the store, I may get a second, because promos. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and, and to be fair, I don't think it mattered that it was Phoenix. I'm pretty sure that Jay no. would have bought it anyway. Oh, no, I know, oh, but, yeah. but it's, like, it's like tripling up the reasons he would buy it. <laughs> yeah, because now I need two sets of the promos for my two decks. So <laughs> Because with the restricted list, you actually might have two different decks. No, I had two different decks. With the restricted list, one of them is dead, and I have to decide if I try to revive it or not. <laughs> uh, so, so do you guys want to to go right into the restricted list heavy discussion and then close out with the tail end of of enlightenment multiplayer or shall we just or, or shall we get the the multiplayer out of the way first multiplayer because there's not really not that much to talk about i don't think uh, yeah so yeah. hey there's multiplayer i think there's a little bit more to talk about although i do really feel like i need to play it before i can say anything uh intelligent about it yeah uh, all so, those people that wanted the enlightenment victory here it is yes You've got something called Enlightenment Victory, so you can be happy if that's the thing you want. The Enlightenment Victory, right, is because each player is going to start with their own set of rings, and then when you right, when you declare an attack, you put up one of your rings, and if you win and claim your ring, then you put it on one of your provinces, and if you then have the five different rings on your five different provinces, you will get an enlightenment victory, right? 
They don't have to be on different provinces. You can stack them all on the same province. That's right. You're right. They do not have to be different. But you ha- you have to have all five different rings on your provinces. Yes. It feels like the sort of thing that you'd spread out rather than... until uh, Except they have to be on your no, unbroken yeah. provinces. So Right. And if I remember correctly, not your stronghold until the other four are broken. Correct. So yes, you want to spread them out, but you may not have that option. How much does one actually get an Enlightenment victory? It seems kind of hard. Because you can just win by having your... Like, a player is eliminated when their stronghold is broken. Yeah, without actually playing, it's hard to say. But on the other hand, I feel like it, there will be games where it's like, oh, I'm playing a military deck. I'm one of the few military decks at the table. It will be faster for me to get all of the rings than it will be to actually take out 10, pro- 10 15 provinces. Depending on how many opponents I have. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a lot of it, it's a lot of provinces. The honor rules are right. If you have you have multiple different honor bids, if there's one player who's high and one player who's low, then they just do the honor exchange, and everybody else just draws that many cards. If there's a tie for high or low, then you kind of divide up the honor that's being distributed. You can make treaties in the game so you you can actually make up binding agreements which then you lose honor if you break the treaty although that certainly means that there are going to be players who will like there there is going to come a point in time when somebody's like oh yeah i will eat the honor hit to destroy you ha 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 yes well yes but that's also a thing i hope especially if they want to do tournaments of this that they really codify what qualifies for a treaty. Because you know you'll have the, oh, I'll have a treaty that I'll totally help you defend. Okay, time for the big defense. Uh, Here, I'm helping by uh, not attacking you. I have fulfilled my treaty. Mwahaha. I think that there is, at the moment, no mechanical method for determining what counts as breaking the treaty. At some point, there's going to come a dispute about exactly what the terms of the treaty are or whether or not I don't attack you counts as helping you. Because I think I would argue that, okay, if I agree to something as vague as you're going to help me, I'm going to be out of luck if you send some pathetic form of assistance. But doing nothing is not actually helping me. I'm going to argue if I'm the player in that position. I'm going to send Toku to help you defend. That's totally helping. I'm helping... I think that I would be stuck in that position. You you sent someone. I mean, you didn't promise it would be effective, meaningful assistance, but you know, at least there's there's a little something in there. But right, that's people have been clamoring for multiplayer since the game was announced. Right, it was one of those things where literally it was announced as a two-player game, and there were still tons of people that were like, "So, can you play this with more than two people?" Uh, yeah, and that... we expected that, yes, that was going to happen, and now it's moving in that direction. But you can tell from the fact that it's, the rules are releasing now that, no, they did not plan on that happening. <laughs> I don't think that they planned on what multiplayer would be. I think that... Yeah, I, th- I mean, I, I don't think that they're, like, surprised, like, oh, wow, we're, we decided to do multiplayer. I, I, who, who knew that would get authorized? Yeah, I think they had an idea that they would do multiplayer at some point, but I don't. I think they underestimated the demand, and so it's come more quickly than they had 
maybe initially specced out to do be doing it? I certainly would have underestimated the demand because L5R was an atrocious game to try to play multiplayer. Like it, I yes. I know that there are like right there are groups that want to play multiplayer, and I get that, and they would play multiplayer, but it was not a good game for multiplayer. Not unless you added in something like War of Honor that kind of put some structure on it. But even then, it was still kingmaking. I actually saw Dave Williams tweet at Brad Andrews. I think that's how you say his last name, when he was t- tweeted out the rules on his personal account. He's like, oh, congratulations. We could never actually make a multiplayer for that game without tons of king making. So, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I haven't yet seen anything that would indicate that there isn't king making in this, is there? Right. No, I'm not saying that um, there's not either. I mean, oh. there's oh, certain... I'm sure there will be. Uh, yeah. Like, like he. I think he was just saying we were never able to do it. I don't know that he was saying that as a positive of, oh, you've done it, and there is no king-making. Multiplayer, I think there's always going to be king-making, right? Unless you're playing, like, a solitaire-ish game. Yeah, I... uh, Honestly, it would... I mean... I know this is getting a little old old 5R-ish and, like, carrying on how the story sausage is made, but my immediate inclination is that it's not that you can never have a multiplayer tournament, but you should never have a multiplayer tournament that matters for anything. I mean, the one time that they had a multiplayer tournament that mattered for something, it was exactly the sort of conspiracy fest thing that people would talk about where you had a group of players like get together in advance and decide in advance what they want to do and then work together throughout the you know the the duration of the tournament to try to manipulate who would win which match i mean it was like from that sort of point of view it was a a disaster if your idea is that people are like just going to come in and try to win the games uh, you know stuff that went way beyond just kingmaker so i hope they never try to attach anything of significance to a multiplayer tournament i mean the i think the important thing for multiplayer is that there is some official way for like just a group of friends who want to sit down and and there's more than two of them and they want to play L5R. So I, I'm glad that they have multiplayer. Just please don't do a tournament. Second. <laughs> All right. So, but the important thing for now is that there's a restricted list. You guys have both played other FFG games that use this restricted list system. Do you want to explain how it works? Sure, so when you're building your deck, you have to choose one of the cards on the restricted list, and you only get to use that one card, that one card by title, so you can still have three of it, but you can only have one of them. Yes, and so we have gotten eight cards on the restricted list now. Policy Debate, Miramoto's Fury, Forged Edict, Charge, Iron Mine, Four Greater Glory, Against the Waves, and Pathfinder's Blade. So, we could talk a little bit broadly about this, but I think it'd be helpful to kind of delve into individual clans, right? We've got, there are several cards in here that were just ubiquitous, you know, and and now two of them, right, are, are neutral and got used all over the place. Policy Debate and Charge. Miramoto's Fury got used all over the place as part of uh, of splashes. 
the other ones were more specific than that. But there are many who would argue that the real winners of this set of bands, uh, uh, bands, this this restricted list are the Crane. So why don't you comment on that, resident Crane player? Yeah, this seems good. <laughs> right, the the crane did not uh, have any crane cards whacked. I mean, a, a political debate is definitely, like, you know, it was widely used, but it definitely is a crane card. So assuming they're going to put more stuff on the restricted list, I think the cards they've put on there are a good start because all you have to do is add one more card, and that actually does a lot. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm talking about right now what there may be in the future, but but like you said, there is there's one card on here that was heavily played by Crane, and that's policy debate. And so, it's not that Crane couldn't use some of these other ones, but they weren't a big deal for Crane, right? And so, losing them is eh. You keep your policy debate, honestly everyone else loses policy debate that may be a slight exaggeration but i think that that sounds correct to me yes it, yes but <laughs> i i think policy debate will it's probably a slight exaggeration to say it will almost disappear outside of crane but man bye bye because it's it's a really strong card but for most of the decks policy debate is not the right card to keep i at least i don't think how about you jay you you kind of took a, a beating in this, potentially. Right. Well, so as I said, I, I had two decks before this was announced. I had a Dishonor deck, I had a military deck. My Dishonor deck is losing policy debate because it wants the charge to stay around, but is otherwise okay. The military deck is just took it to the face, and I'm going to have to completely rework it because it really, really wanted both charge and against the waves to work its, hey, I've got big giant guys and they're showing up again and again, shtick. And if I can't have both of those, uh, it needs a new economy in that deck. <laughs> yes. So if you if you want to charge in your giant firebird... I do. Which, of course, you do, then you wouldn't be able to against the waves, which is a an ex- extremely powerful spell. I mean, we've we are to some extent, I mean, that was always a really, really good card, but we've seen the first victim of what we talked about, which is where Kudanisawa could really limit how spells go, because it's such a powerful effect. Yes, taking a really, really, really good card and making you go from three of to six of is pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, you lose that, you lose charge, and, and charge... Policy debate was probably more played as just a general utility thing, but for the decks that use, there were a variety of decks that used charge, and that might be a bigger impact overall because policy debate is just a utility thing. It doesn't change decks as much as the loss of charge does because you had multiple decks that were playing where the shtick was basically, I'm going to charge a big character out, and then I'm going to use some, and then something else is going to put fate on them, or otherwise keep them around. So you had Phoenix, like Phoenix could do that with uh, with Fushio, because it inherently 
would, I mean, I guess it wouldn't stay around, but it would then put fade on something else. The crab could charge things in and then keep them around forever. The lion could charge things in and then and then add in for greater glory and then for greater glory to keep guys up and then you could also do cross splashes between clans to bring in multiple pieces of those so uh, you know that's really what crab and lion are getting hit on the thing that they are losing off of this is their charge shenanigans right so charge and iron mine and for greater glory and i think in both of those cases charge is what goes yeah, and I think, uh, again, like with what I'm looking at, right now my Phoenix military deck is very top-heavy on Fate because I am planning to charge these big guys in for cheap, and I think I'm going to lose charge and therefore have to restructure the co- the fate cost curve of the deck because I can no longer cheat them out like that. And I think you'll see the, the same thing happen in Lion and Crab and Unicorn where they can no longer guarantee to get some amount of these big guys out cheaply with via charge, and so they'll have to bring their cost curve down. Yeah, and I, I think... Because, I mean, the real choice for Crab... I mean, it, nobody's going to... No, no Crab's going to try to cram in Lion for, at this point or something, is, you know, is if you have to... To bring in charge, you have to give up Iron Mine. And Iron Mine is... I don't know if the most the most effective, the most important. I don't know. It seems like it's the most important, whether or not it's the most effective of their keep guys around cards because you can rebuild it, right? You effectively get to play with like three iron mines gives you potentially six resurrections, which the other options do not. Giving that up just to be able to charge is really rough, especially when. And then once you've charged your guy in, you have half as many ways to keep them around indefinitely. So that, you know, that is a significant change in what, you know, those clans are are doing. You know, each of these, all of them, like Crab and Lion, I, I mean, Lion, Lion gets some level of addition by subscribe, of addition by subtraction because they really couldn't use policy debate compared to everybody else, which... Like you right, you just all you need it was like they didn't realize that oh you just need one guy who's got high political. It does you know one guy with high political and one guy with low political on their side. Yeah, it it's it it's not that big a deal if everyone else on your side is is lacking. But so there's some addition by subscri- subtraction on the part of the lion, but they do lose something. But you know, all of those decks lose their charge combo basically i mean or lion loses the charge combo crab has its charge combo crippled i think you jay i guess your charge combo is still the most intact you just lose a super powerful spell but you can still do the charge thing yeah that's true and with with the the firebird we probably still have the most valuable charge target hanging out that's what I was thinking when you said, like, you need to have two decks together, right? Because you have the, the deck where I still am trying to do the Firebird thing, and then the deck where I'm actually going to play with Against the Waves. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, Unicorn? I guess this helps Unicorn by 
them not really caring so much about these. Right? That sounds, yeah, that's it. Sure. They don't feel like they will benefit in the short run in the way that, say, Crane might, because they're just not in a position (laughs) to make a meta move. I I think, too, for them, I I don't know what Unicorn is usually splashing, but this definitely removes the incentive to splash Lion, because they could also take advantage of um, the the Lion card that just got restricted. Uh, Charge for the greater glory. Yes, thank you. They could they could also do that. They can't bring that in. I don't know that they had the same problem with policy debate that Lion did, but they were a they were a pretty militarily focused clan too, so that's overall probably not crying a river for them on that one. Now, of course, the this is this is a really broad set of of restricted cards, but the 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 dominant deck in the environment really has been Scorpion. You know, you're talking, Mike, about like, oh, what's going to affect in the future? Well, Forged Edict is bonkers good, and it's restricted now, so every other thing on the restricted list for the rest of the game is going to be play your bonkers good negation card or play this. Uh, <laughs> and the the interesting thing is uh, about this is that they presented, right, the Miramoto's Fury and Forged Edict are sitting there on the restricted list aimed at Scorpion. <laughs> uh, because the Scorpion splash, right, if you if you read Strange Assembly, right, I did this analysis of what exactly, not just my personal opinion, but what actually are these successful Scorpion decks playing, and it was almost universally the splashes, three Miramoto's Fury and two Let Go. And uh, Miramoto's Fury is amazing, it's forcing them to to pick between those two. They're always going to pick Forged Edict, so it basically kicks Miramoto's Fury out of the Scorpion decks, along with Policy Debate, which they were extremely well positioned to use. So uh, they they do take a big whack in that respect. On the other hand, this doesn't feel like the sort of thing that's just going to... right. This isn't going to crush Scorpion or something. They lost two cards. It It almost feels like the cards that they lost were kind of less central to their decks than some of the other decks that are losing cards where where like the charge combo was you know a thing you were doing instead of just oh it's a good defensive card that you're losing in Miramoto's Fury yeah but at the same time hopefully by losing Miramoto's Fury they'll be more vulnerable to the military matchup and come down a notch in the standings. And and I hope so as well on that. Uh, And so I think Dragon is the one we haven't hit yet. And this was kind of funny uh, to me in that, right, you had the Dragon, the Dragon card got put on, they were like, okay, we're going to put Miramoto's Fury on the restricted list because Scorpion. Although they're, I'm going to guess when we move in a second, that's probably not the only thing. That's the way it's presented in the article. And then they go, oh, hey, uh, but we realize that we haven't really done anything on the restricted list so far that Dragon cares about. And so maybe Dragon is going to become too good if we restrict everything else. So we're going to restrict a crab card to stop Dragon. (laughs) (laughs) From getting too too good at the 
like, oh, really, guys? Yes. So, so that's why Pathfinder's Blade ends up on there because there are other cards in here that Dragon played with, but they were more of the eh, who cares, right? We Dragon would not have been able to play with Charge or Policy Debate because it was absolutely going to get rid of those to keep its Miramoto's Furies, but those just weren't that big a deal. I mean, we used Charge, but we didn't use it as heavily. Uh, in the same way that some of the other clans did. We had policy debate, but, you know, everybody was losing policy debate, and hey, we still have Katsuki Investigator, and again, it's just, like, it's just not a central card for anybody really losing it. It's probably the biggest loss in Scorpion, uh, because they had the most ability to really press it. And then you could use it to get rid of things that you wouldn't be able to cancel with your you know, however infinite cancels if you want. You don't actually want infinite cancels. But if you wanted them, they're there. And, and so we're like, okay, so let's let's add the the Pathfinder's Blade in because now you have to choose between your Crab Splash and your Miramoto's Fury. I don't know. I I really, really love Miramoto's Fury. I, I my personal inclination is is like, well, let's my let's let's go back to not doing the crab. And and come around with with something else, but I, I can see Pathfinder's Blade is a really potent effect. Uh, it combos really well with Naten Master, and and lets you really swing in aggressively on on offense with less concern about some of the the big things. And amusingly for the restricted list, it also has the convenient thing of Pathfinder's Blade could not be played by the clan that it was in. So it, it, it really isn't even, it doesn't even tangentially affect crab, at least not right now. It's, it's entirely a, a dragon smack. But the, the other thing that the placement of Miramoto's Fury does with the restricted list is that Dragon Splash was still, the dominant splash. Partially because it was the the overwhelming... Not not the overwhelming. It was the universal splash choice for Scorpion, uh, which was the best deck. But Miramoto's Fury and Let Go are both incredibly good utility effects, and you could fit five of those in to your just generic influence allotment. And so you saw those all over the place. And this has got to negatively impact the the number of people playing Dragon Splash. Now, you can still get some really good Splash cards by playing Triple Let Go and then rounding it out with Tattooed Wanderer, which is, which is quite a good card as well. But it's not as overwhelmingly potent as Miramoto's Fury and Let Go was. So... In decks that are playing the Dragon Splash still, you'll actually see one more let go in their decks. But I think that overall, you'll see a a non-trivial reduction in the number of let goes that are running around because people just won't be playing Dragon Splash. And that could open things back up for attachments. Agreed. I look forward to this new actually being able to play attachments meta. You could always play the attachments, just not the expensive ones. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, I mean, like, may- now maybe it's worth dusting off my pacifism, whereas before it was, like, not worth even trying most of the time. Anything that required you to sink multiple fate 
into playing an attachment was a, a dicey proposition at times. So that's, I mean, that's kind of the specifics. What do you think overall, does this mean anything for L5R? Does it signify something? What are your, what are your overall thoughts on our restricted list here? It'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out, but I mean, I I like that they're doing this, that they are proactively trying to rebalance the environment. Hopefully they'll do that, that we'll see less of the one-trick charge nonsense going on. I'm sad that I'm losing it, but I'm glad that I, everyone is losing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that ch- charge and policy debate... There's going to be a yeah. drastic reduction. Uh, I, I, w- what about you, Mike? Other than the ha ha ha, my Craner happy. Well, I the one card that I really did not like out of that base set was let go. Like it just so it curbs the amount of use of attachments so hard that hopefully this will you know like you were saying people might splash different things so then maybe you don't see let go because it's let go. If you can't find the second card you really want. Um, is it good enough by just by itself? My fear is it probably is, but other than that, uh, just generally, restricted lists almost always just are good for the game. They're almost always strictly improve the game. In this game especially, it, it's so complex. I like like this and uh, Thrones were the two games I I really didn't. Ex- it doesn't surprise me that they needed something. There's just so many interactions to try and catch that I just think eventually some of them are going to slip through. I feel It feels like they're doing it kind of timely. I think what they're hitting is pretty much the right things to be hitting. I think they've had a pretty decent track record with that for the most part for most of their games. So I just hope that they keep it up going forward. And I... I'd kind of rather them be aggressive than not be aggressive, but you know that that can have its downsides too. But it's at least it's not like a smuggler's copter where I was out like fifty bucks when they banned that thing. That's a that's a Star Wars Destiny reference again, right? No, smuggler's copter is uh, Magic the Gathering. Oh, okay. Those suckers were sixteen bucks a piece. Ah, well. Also clearly broken, so I probably shouldn't have gotten them. But you know, whatever. Well, you know that's that's saved. I, I if I if I understand correctly, that's what saved Jace for so long. They didn't want to ban a card that everyone had paid a hundred bucks a pop for, and that moved like wildfire. Yeah, although they put him back in and unbanned him out of modern. So you know, anyways. Well, you know that's modern. So I guess my overall thoughts are that it, it to me there's. It, it's kind of hard to get around that it, it's it's kind of early in the game to need to whack this many things. <laughs> I mean, it's it is a pretty small card pool to be picking eight cards out and tagging them around, and things like and frankly, things like charging in like charge in giant guys, and then cards that make your giant guys not go away is not exactly a subtle combo from a a. a you know, a, a play point of view. So I think it's a, a bit problematic that they felt the need to have to, that, that the environment was in a state where they felt the need to do this this soon. Uh, on the other hand, 
I think that it is a very positive sign that they were willing to do it. That it, it I, I'm almost always in favor of a quick trigger on this sort of thing, where you do not have to wait for some sort of mounting pile of of uncontrovertible evidence that people are not enjoying the environment as much as they might be before you know i you know you just i i'm just almost never not not never but almost never going to be in in the group of people going like well if people just learned how to play better they'd realize that this is actually completely balanced and they just need to figure out how to meta it like that's that's just not what the purpose of people playing games is right if when you get down to it that argument kind of amounts to well if you weren't so stupid you'd be having fun well that's never going to convince anyone that's also going to scare off your new players because they don't have the experience they they come in they haven't learned that they need to do this to counter that yet and so they get curb stomped they have no fun and they leave yeah and and i and i'll say i'm i was surprised by the breadth of this Right, there's a lot of stuff on here that I, I, I had not thought that they were doing. I mean, like the if if you had told me in advance, like, oh yeah, they're gonna whack some cards because they decided Scorpion's too good, that would not have surprised me. If if you would say, you know, if somebody had on on April first posted FFG, you know, res- puts eight L5R cards on restricted list, I would have been like, ah, oh, that's a funny joke. That'll never happen. At least, you know, not at this cycle in the well, game. I, I think you also have to look at what's about to happen, which is they're about to drop their second cycle. So I would have to assume some of this came out of playtesting with that second cycle, where the playtester said, hey, some of this stuff is really broken, you're going to have to address some of this stuff. Oh, yeah, and I'm I'm not saying that they're wrong to do what they did. I'm just surprised that they're doing it, because a lot of it feels like not not as much targeting balance and maybe some of it was targeting balance in ways that we couldn't see like like for example the the restriction of pathfinder's blade was explicitly a this deck is going to be too good once all of these other changes come into place but a lot of it felt like just a we're going to preemptively we're we're not going to like hit scorpion and then see how it shakes out we're just going to go ahead and target cards that we see as somewhat problematic now maybe and and things that are going to be too good going forward and we're just we're just going to force people to play with a greater diversity of cards instead of just running the same kind of things over and over again you know you're not going to have to go through a tournament where there are three policy debates every single game kind of thing right and and again i'm not i'm not saying that it's bad that they did that i'm just saying i'm surprised that they did i was not I was not expecting them to be that willing to just go for it on on the restricted list. And they've probably, and this is also a positive thing, right? They've probably learned from the past. Because well, I know that in, in some of the other competitive play games that they make, they've taken flack for not being quick enough to to restrict things. And I think rightfully so. Like... Ray Han was so dominant in Destiny for so long. There, there's so many cards that were just like 
even if they weren't entirely busted when you looked at like top tier end results or whatever, they just they weren't fun. But I mean, they've they had that happen in uh, the Star Wars LCG. They had a bunch of busted stuff. It took them forever to address. Although they put out one last one to rebalance it, and it actually seems like it's in a good state right before they killed it off. Um, <laughs> they they did. It took them forever to address Netrunner. And I think a lot of the games you saw a lot, I'm guessing they saw sales dips as well, but it definitely in like attendance and just everything I was hearing in the communities, they, they were just taking like too long to address these. And I think they've learned their lesson of, you know what, it's better to be proactive uh, because they're also not, you know, it's not like you're just can't play with cards, right? All of these cards, if you've decided, you know what? I like Pathfinder's Blade better than Miramoto's Fury in this deck I want to build or whatever. You can still make that choice. It may not be like the right choice depending on who you talk to or whatever, but it's still like a choice. And I really do like this style, uh, this style of banning. I will say that they tried that in Netrunner because they, they, you know, they did uh, something for a while where it was like, oh, these cards just actually cost you more to put in your deck. But then they eventually figured out that even that wasn't enough, and they eventually just had to actually restrict and ban cards. Um, which is, I hope I, they don't go that far. But, like I said, I, I do think let go being in the base set is going to be kind of oppressive for for attachments. So, I guess we'll see. So, so we shall. Yeah, it's... And this is basically the same way the restricted list works for their other things. It's not... It's not how the restricted list works for Star Wars because that is there's like they'll they'll single out specific combinations and say you can't play this objective set with that objective set in a deck together, but it doesn't really have any relationship to other objective sets. I think that has changed a little bit now right at the end because they actually have things like here's a thing of three objective sets and you can't play any of them in the same deck. But it's not more universal, but this is the exact same way that like the Thrones restricted list works, right? Right. Yeah, it's it's definitely interesting. Although I do, I I, I still had have so much history with Magic that I it's it's hard to think of this as restricted. Still, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I, Magic doesn't even restrict anything anymore. They only ban things because restricting doesn't does much. Uh, yeah, outside of Vintage, they haven't done restrictions in. 15 years? I don't know. At least that long. Yeah. But yeah, that's... I, I keep wanting to call this banning the cards, which it's also not... I, I, I mean, I, I see why they don't call it banning. because well, I mean, just in a linguistic sense, they're not being banned, but also, as you're saying, you still get to pick... You do get to pick one of them to play with. Uh, but, I, yeah, I just... <laughs> restricted. It's no, Restricted means I can play with one copy of this mox in my deck, right? No. <laughs> right. But of course, that's also because that mox is worth several thousand even before. <laughs> Which is yeah, the only I was reason about to say I, I should list. probably re, re, I should probably change that to be like I can play with one copy of this demonic tutor in my deck, right? Yeah. Uh, yes, because th th there was a point in time where I had a few of the pricier things, and at some point that needed to be like, though it's time to sell these. I think the big thing I still have like that is I, I do still have a revised set, which is should probably be pawned off because it's got a complete set of dual lands in it. All of my other dual lands, I had a full set at some point. Those got sold off at some point, but I've still got like the one revised set. 
because sadly that was the base set when I started playing Magic. <laughs> uh, if if fourth was my base, revised was my first booster pack because fourth was so new nobody could get it. Ah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it would have been nice if I had started just a little bit earlier. If if only my first base set had had black borders. Curses! <laughs> oh, by the way, your lightning bolt's worth $3.50. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> I just it, It's funny because you never think of lightning bolt as really being worth anything, but actually they stopped printing it so hard, and it's still used in everything that it's legal in. Yeah, well, and they brought it back a few years ago, right? And then I think decided that that was a big mistake. <laughs> right. Uh, like, you know what? There was a reason why we stopped reprinting this thing. And we've now realized that having made all creatures with toughness less than four useless. So, anyhow, we've, we've, we've wandered a bit afar field from, and I, and I, I think our magic musings are sufficiently severely out of date to be of basically no interest to anyone. I still watch Magic Nightly, but thank you. I listen to Rosewater's podcasts, and I, like, look in on Magic, but... And I get a dual deck or something every once in a while. I have this... I have this Explorers of Ixalan game product thing that they put out, because it reminded me of War, Honor, War of Honor. I haven't had the chance to play it yet. Uh, it's kind of dumb. Oh, well... I've got it anyway, so uh, it, we'll find out someday. It, it's it's fun-ish, but yeah, anyways... I add in the time issues that we have with every that I have with every every possible choice that I make. It's just like add on top of that the money thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I, honestly, I mean, even the money thing alone would, you know, it's if you could. I guess if yeah, I don't I don't know what's your oh well whatever it is it is what it is you yep. know they. It's still a really good game, just not one that suits my lifestyle anymore because right it's a lifestyle game so your game is either playing magic or something else yeah there's yeah you know okay so that is our little uh late may check-in on legend of the five rings i i'd say something like we'll see you next week but probably next month i think is more realistic here guys (laughs) you should know by now right everybody knows us but you have been listening to Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming and Legend of the Five Rings podcast. You can find us on the web at www.strangeassembly.com. You can subscribe to this podcast there, or you can do it at the Google Play Music Store, or on the Apple Podcasts app, or iTunes, if anyone still use that. God, that piece of software just does not work on Windows, and I know that's on purpose, but still. You can find us on Facebook. We're facebook.com slash strangeassembly or at strangeassembly on Twitter. You can reach me directly. I always like to hear from our listeners and readers. That's chris at strangeassembly.com. But until then, for Mike Cook and Jay Earl, I'm Chris Stevenson, and this is Strange Assembly. Never stop gaming.